It is so good to see all of you here today. We did our best to create shade as best as we can, but you know that darn sun moves. So yeah, we had complete shade everywhere about an hour ago. So as the sun moves and you at home, hopefully you found the shade as well if you're watching, uh, but we're gathering here around God's word. And can you believe it's September? Unbelievable. Uh, I celebrated my one year anniversary as your pastor uh, just last Thursday. And uh, it's been quite a year, right? We had COVID hit, and then uh, the economy has been all over the place. And then uh, churches closing and churches reopening, racial divisions, political tensions. And just because 2020 wasn't difficult enough, we threw in some local fires, right? Just to make things more interesting. You can't even get a baseball game. You can't even go to one in person. And so if you're voting with me, let's just move beyond 2020 hit right into 2021 and hit a reset. But the reality is with all of the changes, with all of the tumult, we get to focus ourselves on God's word. We get to anchor ourselves in the unchanging person of Jesus Christ. You know, our normal church fall kickoff would look a lot different than this, than us sitting in mass and sitting six feet apart, or many of you sitting at home. But we center around Jesus wherever we are, wherever we go. Because there's so much unknown in our lives, but the one known thing is Jesus. So I want to take this time over the next several weeks, especially as we dig into the book of Galatians, to refocus us on the gospel, on the one unchanging thing in our lives, which is Jesus, the one person who can carry us through. I want our our roots to go down deep as we were doing, as we memorized together, as we went through the Psalms the last several weeks. Psalm 1, blessed is the man, blessed is the one whose roots, right, are deep, like a, like a tree planted by the streams of water. I want our roots to go down deep in the Spirit of God, centered around the person of Jesus as we learn again, relearn what does it mean for the gospel to shape our lives, not just to get us saved, but to keep shaping us and stretching us and growing us in Christ. See, Paul, the apostle's letter to these house churches in, in Galatia, remind us, that the gospel is what matters. And that's what we're going to do these next several weeks. Now, Paul, if you know him, the apostle, he was a Jewish Pharisee. He was miraculously converted through an encounter with Jesus. And he's writing about 15 to 20 years after the Roman, uh, after Jesus's resurrection throughout the Roman empire, he's writing this urgent letter to not just one church, but a group of churches in modern day Turkey who he personally planted, which means he, he helped birth these churches. Uh, these believers were, were dear to his heart, and he's writing an urgent letter warning them, challenging them, pleading with them against a false gospel. We're going to learn more details about this false gospel as the weeks progress. But we know that it, they were proclaiming a gospel of Jesus plus something else. Of Jesus, you gotta add these other things to it. It was Jesus plus something that Paul is arguing against. And take a look at verse six with me. Paul says, I'm astonished. The language there is as if he's, I'm shocked. He's, he's disturbed. I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting him, the Father who called you in grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He actually uses a military word, desertion, in this verse, emphasizing how far they have strayed from the will of the Father. 
So these are believers he's writing to who have strayed from the simple message of the gospel. And Paul says, I need you to come back to the true gospel, that Jesus alone is enough to save, that it's Jesus plus nothing is brought you into salvation. It is Jesus plus nothing that will continue you forward toward that secure foundation that already begins now, that'll be fulfilled when Jesus returns, brings the fullness of the kingdom to our eyes, to our awareness. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. We need to hear that again today too. So don't listen to anyone. I think Paul, through his letter, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 2,000 years later, telling us it's Jesus plus nothing. It's just Jesus. Don't listen to anyone telling you it's Jesus plus something else to be a Christian. Jesus plus something else. If you truly want to follow the heart of God, it's Jesus plus this. It's all about staying true to the gospel. We're going to spend a little time today reminding us what is the gospel. Well, what is it? It is that God rescues you, rescues me from judgment of sin through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's it. It's done. This is good news. That's what the gospel means. A euangelion is the word, the good news that through Christ and Christ alone, that we enter into fellowship with God and then join him. Here's the great news on his mission. He's inviting us into the work of God on planet earth until he comes again. And the gospel reminds us that you and I are far more sinful than you ever dared believe, but far more loved than we ever dared to hope. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel is what we'll hear throughout the book of Galatians. And then we take a look at verse four and five again. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, you cannot find salvation. You can't even find fulfillment. You can't even find anything lasting that's good in your life outside of Jesus. You can't find it with, by trying to impress God either, by even being churchy. And you're not going to find salvation or even fulfillment, anything lasting that's good, by avoiding God, by being irreligious. Some people think, I'll be irreligious. I'll be spiritual, but not religious. You're not going to find what you're looking for outside of the person of Jesus. See, it's only by recognizing and accepting that God has sent Jesus to rescue you that you can find this true life we're talking about in this world and the next. This Greek word here that says Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us. It's this idea of of being rescued or lifted out of our predicament, but it's a predicament. It's a rescue where we cannot save ourselves. You cannot do it on your own. You had to be rescued. You couldn't work for it. It was a predicament of self-centeredness, a predicament of of self-preservation, a predicament of fear. A man is and divided. You can't get out of this predicament without Jesus. You need to be delivered, rescued out of a situation that you cannot rescue yourself from. Doesn't our world need someone who can truly deliver us from the worst parts of humanity? And we're seeing some of the worst parts right now. We need someone. His name is Jesus. And so Paul reminds us, since we've been rescued, it means this, we've never earned our salvation, which means you can't lose it. So Paul is warning these Galatian believers, these scattered uh, uh, Christians throughout Turkey, 
saying, why are you trying to add something to the simple and true gospel that, that brought you into the kingdom, brought you into the family? Why are you trying to make something new? Now, if you're religious, like some of us, you might assume that God wants you to be a moral person. And what happens for some of us who grew up religious, we mistake the gospel for meaning that we're supposed to be good people in order to keep good with God. That it's by being good, by being moral, by uh, having a certain level of, of ethical behavior. That's where God accepts us. If you grew up religious, you might have that actually wrong kind of thinking. That God accepts you by your level of goodness. No, the whole point is that you never could be good enough. So Christ became the perfection for you. He was perfect all the time. He gave himself so that you could receive it as a gift. It was a rescue plan. You never had a chance. So Christ says, stop trying. Say, I give up. I need rescue. I need help. I can't do it on my own. But if you're religious, you mistake sometimes trying to be good. And we come to worship each week. And we actually then hope that our, our good, good moral behavior will impress God. And God's, Paul says, that's not the gospel. You cannot impress a God who accepted you never because of your resume, never because of your good works. Never, never, never. He said, you need my son. Hit my son who on the cross, actually the Bible says, became sin. He absorbed your sin. And then he said to God, the father, blame me for their sin. And then give them my perfect record. So when you look at them, you see my righteousness. That's what Christ did. That's the gospel. And so it was never about you and your good behavior. And it will never be about you and your good behavior. It will always be about Jesus and his perfect record. That's one way to see this good news. Now, maybe you're saying you might be here or are watching online and you consider yourself irreligious a religious or spiritual but not religious, well, then I would say you're ignoring God through secular humanism or ignoring God through your own made-up religion. And man, we love to make up our own religions all the time, including Christians, including these Christians. They're adding something to Jesus. It's Jesus plus this. Or some people like to make Jesus like a supplement. Like, well, I got a little Jesus, a little Buddha over here, and you mix it all together. And the Bible is telling us, us Christians too, it's all about Jesus. Keep focused on him. See, the gospel says you can't get close to God or do anything that will last, that is good, without Jesus alone as your Lord. He's it. It's just him. It's not Jesus plus legalism. In particular, that's what Paul is addressing in the book of Galatians. It's just faith in Jesus alone. Nothing else. Now, here's the problem. Take a look at verse 11 even here if you have your Bible open. Paul says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. So he's making an emphasis that this is not something that I made up or any man made up. This comes from the Lord himself. Here's the thing. We have this problem with the word gospel because we've heard it before. We hear it all the time, or especially if you grew up in church, and it loses its meaning. There's actually a psychological phenomenon called semantic saturation in which repetition of words or phrases mean we temporarily lose meaning in our ears and our minds to the listener. We hear it again and again and again. Essentially, these words that you've heard time and time again become babbles, become nonsense. And some of you are sitting here thinking, that's what happens every Sunday when I hear Pastor Tim. It just goes on and on and on and on. It just 
But it's true for all of us who've grown up in church. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've sung that song before. And what goes in one ear goes out the other. No change in our heart and mind. And this is an opportunity, friends, today. And as we look at Galatians to say, Lord, I want to renew myself. I don't want this to be cold. I don't want this to be rote. I don't want this to kind of go in and out the other. I want this to be something that goes down deep. Help me to relearn the gospel. The gospel is not only the thing that got me saved. The gospel is the thing that's going to shape me. It's going to grow me. It's going to send me. It's going to stretch me. I need the gospel, Lord Jesus. Help me hear it anew today. We might sing praises to God, and then we, we sung these same words again and again. Lord, help me. Make it part of my worship today. Lord, forgive me. That's part of your worship. Lord, I confess my heart has grown cold. Help these words come alive again, Lord. That's, that's part of your worship today. Help it become new again. Forgive me. My heart's gone cold. You see, Paul is warning the Galatians to stop embracing meaningless babble and mistake it for the gospel. Paul wants to bring them back to believing the simple yet profound truth that all they need is found in Jesus's perfections. Not the churches, not any pastor, not any political party, not any particular denomination, Jesus alone. Jesus's perfections, not our accomplishments, not our record, not our reputation or abilities. And then in verse 10, Paul says this, for am I now seeking the approval Manner of God, or am I trying to please man? If I started to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, Paul is imploring these beloved believers, challenging them to please only God and not humans. Get yourself right with God again. Relearn the gospel because you've forgotten. You've been adding things to Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing else. And I want to ask ourselves. Are we trying to please others? Trying to please other people, please other humans? Trying to get their approval, trying to find affirmation, trying to fit in? Trying to get affirmation by what we do, right? I always ask us what you have or what people say about you. That's how most humans operate. I need that affirmation to feel good about myself, good about my, my, my beliefs, to feel right about it. All we need is Jesus. So what are you settling for that is taking the place of Jesus? You see, whatever we're settling for ends up being a dead end. It leaves us feeling empty because whatever we run after, if it's not Jesus, it'll never have any lasting good. I mean, I think about it this way. According to God's word, and as you listen to that inner voice in you, if we want things to have lasting good, we got to attach ourselves to something that's eternal and even eternally good. It's just Jesus. There's nothing else. But with Jesus, when we attach ourselves to the eternal son of God, eternal goodness, eternal love, guess what? You have just hitched a ride <laughs> with the best person you ever could because that means your life matters and what you do matters. Because you have attached yourself to the eternal son of God. Your life then matters. What you do matters when you do it in Christ. But guess what, friends? Nothing else does. It all goes away. It all burns up. It all dissipates. The, the most beautiful thing eventually goes away. But not with Jesus. Not when you make him your focus. Not when you give 
him that primary place. All you need is Jesus. You don't need to add anything to him. Jesus plus the Democratic Party? No. Jesus plus the Republican Party? No. And get this, Jesus plus the rent is too darn high party? That's a real political party. Go ahead and Google it. No. We can make up as many political parties as we want. It's going to be Jesus. He's it. Jesus plus anything is worthless. Paul is pleading for them to rest in the work of Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing else. The finished work on the cross. This person, God himself, who took the form of a man, became sin for us. No one else did that. No one's had the power to do that or the authority to do that. So you cannot rest in anything else to make your life, to make your record good. Only Jesus. You see, one way to look at it is that Jesus paid a bill and it's done. And you can't keep paying a bill that's already been paid. Christ wanted to take the cross because he knew we couldn't cover the bill that we as humanity owed. Now, uh, if you didn't know this, I come from a Chinese family. In fact, fifth generation Chinese American in California on my mom's side, third generation on my dad's side. I have uh, 12 uncles and aunts. I have 17 cousins. Last time I counted, I haven't counted recently. And if it kind of can be like competitive eating whenever we go out, it's been a while, but when you go to a traditional Chinese restaurant, all the tables are together, there's food thrown in the middle, people are sh- you know, throwing on dishes on your table, and it can get quite competitive because if you're not fast enough, you're going to get left out of the best stuff, right? Now, it gets competitive also when it comes time to pay the bill. Now, growing up as a little kid, it was really clear. It was my grandpa, Yi. It was my yaya. He always paid the bill. He was the patriarch of the family. But as time went on, and my dad and the uncles got older, it got a little less clear who paid the bill. So after we finished eating and the bill came, there was always this friendly bickering between all the men over who was going to pay the bill. Now, at least in my family, I think generally in the Chinese tradition, there's no like going Dutch. Oh, let's all split it seven ways. No, no, no. That's not how it works. One man gets the honor to pay the entire bill. We're talking I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, right? One man gets the honor of doing it, right? So what starts off as a friendly bickering, and oh no, Jimmy, let me cover, oh no, no, let me cover that, Ron. It becomes to the point where grown men are running around a restaurant chasing after the glory and honor of getting that bill. Looks like we're fighting, like fist fights are about to happen. Now what if after finally so-and-so, uncle so-and-so got the bill, paid it, I go up to the cash register and say, you know what? I know it's already paid, but I want to pay it again. Now, they might think, well, I'll take it, sucker, right? There is no bill to pay again. But I insist, no, I want to pay that bill again. Let me do it. I say, sir, the bill's already been paid. Stop trying. You know what, Jesus, when we add anything else to what he's done for us on the cross, any other additional religion, other additional spirituality you need is Jesus plus something else you need to be right with God, to be a good person. We're trying to pay the bill again. There's nothing else done. Thank him. Thank him with our heart, our mind, our life. Thank him with the way we love God and love others. Thank him, but there's no more bill to be paid. It's done. The bill is paid. There's no more debt. There's nothing to add to it. Jesus else is what far 
too many Christians, we do. It's Jesus plus this. You fill in the blank. Many options out there. I'm telling you, it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> and that's what I want to get us refocused. All this time right now, unknown, tumult, divisions, clashes. Okay. Can we all get around Jesus? Can we all humble ourselves before Jesus? Can we all come repenting? Every one of us repenting, confessing my brokenness, confessing my bad attitude, confessing my lack of listening, confessing my own, uh, my own views that I'm blinded to, right? I need to confess. I come to Jesus to confess. See, the bill's already been paid. There's no more effort. That's I don't need had to be successful. I don't have to even clean up my act. What we need to say is, God, I got a bad resume. <laughs> even as Christians, we keep coming confessing, not because we need to, to get saved again. No, absolutely not. But because we love God, because we love others, we're continually coming to God through the gospel to confess our sins, to even remember what it's already done. Our sins have already been forgiven. We confess to get reconciled. We're already close with God, but oh, sometimes our sin gets in the way of that relationship. And so we keep confessing. The gospel says there's nothing to add to Jesus. He's already paid the bill. So let's not forget that it's all about Jesus. Let's not forget that he came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Friends, it's Jesus plus nothing else. And that's what the Lord's Supper is about. You know, in Galatians 5, we're going to look at it in later weeks, Paul says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, do not attach yourself to anything else but the eternal Son of God, Jesus, the one who took a cross and absorbed your sin, took all that brokenness, who gave you the power to live with him and for him until he comes again. You see, because if you've, been, if you've been rescued, and as the Bible says, if you've been justified, made right before God, then God's acceptance of you, guess what, was not gained by your efforts. It never began with you at all. It always began with Jesus rescuing you, making you right. So it means your standing with God cannot be lost by your failures. Because it never was your perfection that got God's attention anyways. It was our imperfection that drew God's attention. And it was the perfection of Christ on the cross and then risen again that has been given to you. This is a simple, plain gospel. Stop trying to add anything to it. God's love is the only love you cannot earn. It's the only love you cannot lose. And so we say, thank you, God. Praise you, God. See, it's not religion or irreligion. It's just Jesus. The gospel says that on the cross, Christ paid the debt that all humanity owes to God. And it's because of this gospel that Paul can say being led by the Spirit means no dissensions and no divisions. And instead, by the Spirit, there is peace, there is gentleness. That's Galatians 5, verses 18 to 23. When we're led by the Spirit, when we lean into the gospel, when we remember that we've been rescued, doesn't it humble us? and humbles us that we say, Jesus, send me out to serve you. How can I share your love with someone in need? And so we come today together in unity before the table of the Lord. We're about to partake in because of Christ. And we give thanks. Some traditions call it the Eucharist. You know what that means? Giving thanks. 
It's all about giving thanks to the one who rescued us, Jesus, the one and only. We invite believers who have received this true and simple gospel to partake in the grace of God in the supper today. You have been given some elements. If you're here with us in person, again, raise your hand if you didn't get those. If you're at home, you can prepare by grabbing your bread and your drink now. But we partake of the supper, repenting of our efforts to try to impress God and try to impress others. We repent of our attempts to make up our own gospel, our own self-salvation project. We say, Lord, we're sorry. We try to make Jesus a supplement to our life as opposed to the center, an add-on in addition when he should be the one and only, the center. It's a chance for us to say thank you, Jesus, as we eat the bread and drink from the cup. And we come because deep in our heart, even with doubts, and friends, you can come with doubts. Make it part of your worship. Lord, Lord, I believe, but help me to overcome my unbelief. One person prayed to Jesus. Oh, Jesus says, bring even your doubts. Make it part of your worship. Lord, help me to believe. Help me to see the error of my ways. Help me to be not blind to my blind spots. We are hopeful in the truth, in this good news, this gospel, that it's for real and that we are secure in him. And friends, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, don't partake of the bread and cup. But this could be the day that you say, I am in need of rescue. I need to attach my life to something perfect and good and eternal because I know my life was meant to last. I know my life was meant to have meaning. And guess what, friends? It's only through the eternal son of God, Jesus Christ. You can say yes to him today, yes to his rescue. Say yes. And if you say yes, we want you to partake in the Lord's Supper with us today. Will you pray with me? Lord, we believe that you are the only one with an unlosable love. And Lord, forgive us for all the ways we try to attach ourselves to things that are empty. Even as believers, Lord, we lose our way and we try to attach ourselves to things to add to the gospel, good works or a certain way of belief, a a certain way that we act. Lord, it is only you. It is only your work on the cross that has taken our sin and has given us your righteousness. So forgive us for thinking that it's something we need to do to keep being saved. It's not. Let us rejoice in the reality that you have already claimed us. And may that be part of our response to worship. All of our life is simply a thank you. Our singing is a thank you. Our giving is a thank you. The way we serve those in need is a thank you. The way that we love you and love others is a thank you, a response to your rescue. And so Lord, we come to the table today. We come to your supper. And we know, Lord, that the bread and the cup, they're not magical, but Lord, by the power of your spirit, oh, they're special. There's something spiritual happening today. And we proclaim that reality. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.